Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho College murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates It at? is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by the one and only Eric Henry of Horns247.com, and we are going to commence our Big 12 Championship game tailgate here in just a second, but my man Eric Henry said, uh, I need to tell you why... um, Staying safe and keeping the faith is significant. So, Eric, what? How are you? Uh, I I am okay. Um, whether you want to call it luck, divine power, or elsewhere, Chip, I am. Um, I'm, I'm playing hurt here. Um, so, as you know, I, I'm someone who still enjoys to pushing the weights ever so often. You know, and um, yeah, we call you guns. <laughs> it's from the few things. I, I still can do moderately well from my from my athletic uh, days. So I'm in, a, you know, downtown Austin. There's a lovely Gold's Gym about five minutes up the road from me, Chip. And, you know, I, I've got 315 on the bench like I like I normally do. No big deal. You know, we're going to wrap it out a couple times, you know, a couple sets of six. And I've done this hundreds of times at this point in life. And, Chip, the person who had, was on that bench prior to me, I don't know if they use they had something slick on their hands, but I'm at the fifth rep and I'm getting ready to rack it. And Chip, I nail one of the hooks with the bar and 315 pounds came crashing down into my sternum to the play, point where, you know, people had to come over and, and, and help get the weight off me. So, Chip, when I say I'm playing hurt, it hurts to breathe right now it hurts to laugh luckily i'm fine it, it ran it landed in a sweet spot in my sternum you know ribs are fine chest is fine but uh the, the, i think the soreness i feel now that the adrenaline's wearing off i, I think it's going to be double come tomorrow so um i stuck around finished up the workouts so that tells you i'm fine but yeah chip i'm, I'm playing hurt because oh. taking, taking a deep breath guns i'm sorry <laughs> to hear about all this i'll try not to make you laugh um yeah. You know, like I normally do have you in stitches. So I'll try to try to keep it low key here. But uh, listen, Eric Henry's playing hurt. I'm going to try and bring the energy for my man because we are tailgating for Texas, Oklahoma State, 11 a.m. Big 12 championship, AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Eric, you and I will both be there. And for Texas fans, this is a long time coming. Yes, Texas was in the Big 12 title game in 2018, but they were not a 14 and a half point favorite in that game. That was an Oklahoma team with Kyler Murray. And uh, well, we don't need to relive all that. But 
Um, this Big 12 championship game, Texas is the clear favorite. They are trying to finish this out um, at 12 and one so that, uh, you know, they'll get strong consideration for the college football playoff. Steve Sarkeesian said, I'm not, I'm not going to be campaigning this week. We're, our focus is on the Big 12 title game. He went on to Sports Center today and basically said the same thing that um, once we win this, you know, if we win Saturday against Oklahoma State, you'll hear me start campaigning. Hopefully by then it's not too late because full disclosure, we're recording before the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. And we'll, we'll get into that and kind of, I mean, Bottom line, Texas fans, you need to become the biggest Louisville fans you've ever become. And I wrote a story over at Horns 24-7 to help you kind of get to know this team, the Louisville team, so that you can cheer uh, for the Cardinals with some some knowledge. But Eric, here we are. I mean, we've been through this incredible season, um, the, the win at Tuscaloosa, the loss at the Cotton Bowl, and... And Texas coming off this 57-7 win over Texas Tech. Your thoughts about where this team is mentally and physically heading into the Big 12 title game? Chip, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Oklahoma loss was a good thing. I'm sure the Longhorn fans, Longhorn Nation, never wants to lose the Red River shootout. However, I draw a clear line of demarcation pre-Oklahoma post Oklahoma. And I'm not saying that Texas would have lost a game at some point had they beaten Oklahoma. But I do think there was a measure of a reality check that, hey, we've got to be locked in. We've got to be focused. Not that there wasn't that same measure of it prior, Chip, but we saw. It felt like in my mind, everyone's emphasis, everyone's kind of Juice, what was bringing him out was that Alabama game, right? And then you get the Alabama win. And then you're flying on top of the world. The first team in how many years to head to Tuscaloosa and get a win, right? And I think we saw a little bit of that. Again, I don't want to call it sleepwalking, but just a little bit of, okay, we've conquered that barrier. The matchup that has been talked about, we, we you know, exercised the demons from the year prior, the close loss. You can see probably should beat him last year. We've crossed that. It feels to me, Chip, and I'm not just, you know, using the the, the lip service. And I, I shouldn't say lip service. That, that has a negative connotation. But I'm not just using the, the refrain that we've heard from players consistently on Mondays. Each week is a championship week. That's been the refrain we've heard post-Oklahoma. It just feels to me that the sense of urgency that heightened the level of we can't let another one slip through our fingers. While it's come close, Kansas State. TCU, Houston, for whatever it is, there's something about that Oklahoma game that just feels like the line of demarcation to me, to where this team, as they enter the Big 12 title game, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they're cognizant of the fact, despite the fact they are 14-point favorites. And if you look at this Oklahoma State team, and a team that lost to USA, South Alabama, and a team that lost to UCF and loses an understatement, they were obliterated by UCF 45 to three 
45 to three a day. That's all Ollie Gordon rushed for 23 yards. Members are correct on 12 carries that saw Oklahoma state inexplicably not bring rain gear to central Florida. But that's another story from the time. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that this Texas team is locked in and focused on finishing the season. And it feels to me, Chip, and I think you asked this, I don't think you, I know you asked this, several of the players, that they're cognizant of what their legacy could be left with this year's group in terms of, hey, we're the team that brought a sense, restored glory to the 40 acres and brought the first Big 12 title back in 2009. And Chip, how many times did you ask the players? When it was made, uh, I believe it was Kelvin Banks, if memory serves me correct, who said on Monday that, hey, you know, Tory Becton had us working out and we're facing the side of the facade at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium that has all of the history. You can be the next team to put a Big 12 title and hopefully more up there on that side of the stadium. It just feels to me, Chip, like there's something about post-Oklahoma that has this 11-1 Texas team really locked in on finishing the job, whether it's two games left or, of course, if they make the CFP possibly more, that they're locked in on finishing the job. Yeah, and I, I think the energy that this team had on senior night from, you know, look, we know Steve Sarkeesian is wonderfully petty and pays attention to the bulletin board material. We learned that firsthand at Iowa State. And we saw it in living color for crying out loud. They played Brett Yormark's comments on the Jumbotron with 38 seconds left in the in the blowout win over Texas Tech. And already Mike Gundy, um, a quote that he gave about how do you handle Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy? And he said, you know, well, you can double them some, you can leave the end unblocked and hope he doesn't make the tackle or you can do what we've done the last 15 years and block them. And, and Byron Murphy responded 11 AM on social media. So look, this team is looking for reasons to put chips on its shoulder. And, and Mike Gundy has been a problem for Texas. I mean, he's won nine of the last 13 Oklahoma state has the longest winning streak of any team in the history of Texas football uh, in terms of games consecutively won in Austin. Five. They won five in a row in Austin um, under Mike Gundy. So, you know, I, I get why Gundy might feel confident or, you know, kind of bold, if you will. He's usually always bold. But um, even in this matchup, where Eric, I, I look at it and I say, Devondre Sweat versus and Byron Murphy versus Ollie Gordon. We kind of saw that last week with Taj Brooks, um, and he didn't get to 100 yards rushing. Uh, I'll take T. Sweat and Byron Murphy. But look, Texas. Uh, one of the more fascinating things uh, that I've come across as we prepare for this game, and Steve Sarkeesian said it. Texas leads the nation in third down conversion percentage defense. They lead the nation in red zone defense. Do you know who leads the nation in fourth down conversion percentage defense? Oklahoma State. Teams have only converted uh, four of 23 um, 
fourth downs against Oklahoma State. And one of the things that stood out to me about Texas's win over Texas Tech, they didn't go for it on fourth down until Arch Manning was in the game. Through the first three quarters, they took the points, Eric. Five field goals from Burt Auburn. And they still won by 50. So if there's a lesson to be learned in here, it's take the points. Don't give Oklahoma State. We've seen Oklahoma State get down. They were down, what, 23 to 9 against Houston. They were down 24 to 6 against BYU last week. And they scratched and clawed and got back into the game and won those games. And, and that's how they're in the Big 12 title game. But Texas has had double-digit leads in both of their last two meetings with Oklahoma State, and they've lost those games. And if Texas comes out all juiced up and gets up double digits in this game, don't get greedy. Keep the pressure on defensively. That was one thing we saw against Texas Tech. They didn't start playing soft coverage. They kept coming after Texas Tech, you got to keep getting after Alan Bowman. He has thrown 11 interceptions. Only Donovan Smith has thrown more. Alan Bowman has more interceptions than touchdown passes this year. 11 interceptions, 10 touchdown passes. Keep the heat on him and don't take the points. Let Bird Auburn, you know, prove to the Groza committee while they were idiots for not including a guy who's made 19 straight field goals and is you know, now the season record holder, uh, the Big 12 and Texas record holder for most consecutive field goals made, but also for most field goals made um, in a season, attempted in a season. Um, take the points. Don't get greedy. Don't give Oklahoma State any chance to gain momentum, Eric, because we saw the fake field goal at Houston. It didn't work. That's when the avalanche kind of started for, for Houston. You know, K-State, fourth down in the in the red zone, didn't work. And then some turnovers and all hell broke loose. And and uh, and then TCU, the third and one bubble screen where Xavier Worthy is supposed to block a strong safety. Just keep the pedal down in this one, in my opinion. A lot to chew on there, Chip. I'm going to try to respond to all of it, and then I will ask a question at the end. Probably a question I should have asked you in our post-game uh, show with Tommy Yarish, but I, I feel like I'd be remiss if me being the newbie here around these parts if I didn't ask this question. But I'm going to respond to everything you said there. Uh, a lot of a lot of great points you made there. So let's start with, in my mind, you talked about Oklahoma State's fourth down defense, right? And you kind of use that as a point to segue into taking the points. I thought it was interesting, Chip. I don't know if this made your ears perk up when Steve Sarkeesian was asked towards the end of his Monday presser, you know, what else impresses you about the Oklahoma's team outside of, outside, excuse me, outside of Ali Gordon? And he talked about the linebacking crew specifically. And it's something that caught my attention because you take a look, it's main guys, he's, you know, coach, Coach Sarkeesian said three guys, but the main two are, are Nick Martin and Colin Oliver. And, and despite the fact that Oklahoma State, for our listeners who may not know this, I'm sure, you know, being Big 12 fans, they do, their defense has been bad. I mean, they're virtually last or second to last in all major 
statistical categories in the Big 12, specifically total yardage, last in the Big 12, 112th in the nation, allowing 421 yards per game. However, uh, Martin and Oliver have combined for over 30 tackles for loss. I mean, they're guys who they're not big linebackers. Nick Martin, this is about 6'1", 225. Colin Oliver um, coming in about, you know, the 215 range, six for about 215. They're not giant linebackers, but they do find ways to play downhill play behind the line of scrimmage. That's something I think is going to be really interesting when you take a look at this Texas offensive line. I asked Kelvin Banks, you know, what's been the difference between the early season struggles and now? And he felt that, you know, hey, we're just more cohesive. You know, and that answer, I think, takes a little people off guard considering the fact that the majority of last year's offensive line was back. But you add in a guy like DJ Campbell and it's guys, you know, learning to play with each other again and, and some of the injuries that have happened and, and, you know, Hey, they, they were going to face in this case, Texas going to face another three, three, five Joker front. I asked, you know, JT Sanders and, and, and Kelvin Banks, what makes that front unique? And JT was kind of struggling for words, but in essence, what he was saying is, you know, everyone does their job really well, but you know, they kind of move guys around in different places that you're just not used to seeing them. You know, we've talked about early, Earlier in the year, you know, them doing some things with the Bucks and, and moving them around and, and just, you know, kind of making it unfamiliar. And then again, in this case, with two linebackers who play, uh, who spent the majority of their season playing in opposing teams' backfields, that's something I'm keeping my eye on. Not to segue it into taking the points, Chip, I uh, would love your thoughts on this. Uh, to me, it felt as if Steve Sarkeesian was willing to take the points. Is it possible that maybe he learned from, you know, from previous errors, er previous misses in the earlier part of the season, possibly. But it felt to me like he was more inclined to take the points just considering how freaking dominant his defense was. There was never a point in which Texas Tech looked. They're really sustainable offensively. You know, they had the one big return that ended up manifesting itself in the touchdown. Outside of that, there was never really any sort of danger in my mind from that Texas Tech offense. I wonder if that kind of embolden Steve Sarkeesian to say, okay, I'm going to let my guys play defense. I'm going to let them close this one out, you know, just keep stifling the Red Raider offense, prove that point, right, that bleep does not run through Lubbock. And I'll take the points. And granted, yes, Bert Auburn hit 19 straight in a row, so you got to feel a little more confident. I wonder how much of that plays a factor. And the last thing I'll hit on, Chip, before I pass it back to you, is in terms of we all know, and I'm sure we're going to spend – a good chunk of this podcast talking about it is the threat in Ollie Gordon, right? And I asked, you know, several Texas defenders, the difference between facing Taj Brooks and Ollie Gordon, which you talked about facing Taj Brooks, uh, you know, the nation's third leading rusher. They're going to come right back and face the nation's leading rusher. And I thought it was interesting. Again, a lot of the guys, they all outlined, you can tell, I don't know if this is what's been hammered home to them by the coaching staff or they're seeing it with their own eyes. The fact that Ollie Gordon is a one cut and go guy. Taj Brooks a little bit more patient, going to stretch it out a little bit. If you take a look, you compare both teams' run game. Texas Tech's run game is pretty evenly split, 50-50. Zone plays, zone runs, it's gap runs. Oklahoma State, it's that pistol kind of look, and it's 68% in crunch numbers, gap runs. Ali Gordon's looking to get the ball and go. So those will all be things that I, I, I'm keeping my eye on as we – go into this week but the two things i wanted to ask you chip was again going back to steve sarkeesian is someone who said hey you know all gas no brakes i'm gonna be aggressive i'm gonna call it aggressive do you think that maybe considering how well that defense was playing and it's not that the defense hasn't played well all year but in specificity 
to the Texas Tech game, that emboldened him to say, okay, or I shouldn't say emboldened, probably the wrong, wrong word to use there, but gave him the, the leeway to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, just take the points. And, and the second question that I said I probably should have asked you following the, our postgame show, Chip, you referenced the, the comments that were played at the end of the game, you know, Brett, your mark, and then going to the David Bowie under pressure. Chip, it, where does that atmosphere rank, um, last week's atmosphere in Texas Tech rank and kind of just your off of the head pantheon of, of atmospheres at DKR? Well, the uh, the only time I'd felt the press box shake when they played jump around uh, was the Texas West Virginia game. I want to say in 2011 or 2012, whenever that Geno Smith, um, um, Stedman Bailey, Tavon Austin, West Virginia team came in to Austin. It was an amazing game. It was like a 48, 45 game that West Virginia won. Um, that was the only other time I'd felt the, the press box shake when they played jump around until Saturday night. The atmosphere I thought was unbelievable. And, and then it's not very Texas like to play the audio, the video that it played of of Brett Yormark making those comments. But you know what? When the when the grown-ups make the mistake, you can go after the grown-ups. And for the commissioner of a conference to take sides like that, I felt like Brett Yormark deserved that to have it come back to him in front of over a hundred thousand fans. And so it'll be interesting to see how things go this weekend with your mark at the Big 12 uh, title, uh, you know, if Texas wins the trophy presentation. But uh, maybe they all have had a good laugh about it since. But um, yeah, in terms of Sarkeesian and keeping the pedal down, I thought about that, Eric. And I'm like, okay, did they not respect Tech's receivers? Miles Price didn't play in this game. He was their leading receiver. He was out injured. Um, Jaron Bradley's pretty good, but Texas held up well against him. If that's the case, then I hope, I mean, Brennan Presley is is the real deal uh, for Oklahoma State. He is their best receiver, number 80. He's fast. He, you know, catches a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. He's their bubble screen guy. He doesn't have a great yards per catch average, but he has a lot of catches and he can break, he he can break plays. um, If you, if you don't populate the football, Um, I, I just hope that for Texas's sake, Steve Sarkeesian realized that his guys like Malik Muhammad are going to play better football if they can play up on the line, because that's what he's used to. That's what he came to Texas to do. We'll see. Cause I, it would not shock me if Texas got up early in this game, just like BYU and Houston did against Oklahoma state. And if you start playing that soft coverage and trying to, it's a mindset that once you take your foot off the throttle and you start to, play to keep things in front of you, you, you lose intensity. You just lose intensity among your players. And um, 
and look, the way they rotated safety, I've brought this up many times in this flagship podcast. I don't understand that rotation. I don't. If, if you're rotating to keep guys fresh, then in the fourth quarter, you should have your best safeties out there. I still don't know who this coaching staff thinks are their best safeties. I, I think Derek Williams is one of them. I don't know who the other one is. Um, you know, at times it's been Jaron Thompson. At times it's been Michael Taft. Not a whole heck of a lot of times has it been Keaton Crawford, who to me, I I love Keaton Crawford on special teams. I don't know that it's a great idea to have him out there uh, at safety right now, right now, because he's had some tough, he's had some tough moments. Um, he had that pass interference uh, in the Texas Tech game that put Tech at first and goal from the two. That's a nitpick of mine. Texas probably going to be without Ryan Watts in this Big 12 title game, which means Malik Muhammad, who I, I'm good with Malik Muhammad, as long as you're letting him play the way he plays best. And I thought Gavin Holmes and, um, you know, you can always move out Jody Barron and Terrence Brooks has played well. So I just, I'm, I'm going to be watching this, Eric, to see if that's, if the only reason they stayed aggressive against Texas Tech was because they didn't fear uh, the passing game as much, but good heavens. Going up against Alan Bowman, who's got 11 interceptions, more interceptions than touchdown passes, you got to stay aggressive after this guy because did you see Tavondre Sweat stiff-arm Jalen Ford off of a tackle for loss? They were so hungry to make plays in that game they were pushing each other away from the play, Eric, to to get their hands on these guys. Don't take that fire away from them. Don't take that stinger away from them. Chip, I want to come back to the safety rotation because I asked Steve Sarkeesian about this earlier in the year, and I wrote about it earlier in the year. And I think with it being my first year, I probably didn't have as much background to really kind of, uh, you know, relay on to, to, to kind of rely on in terms of providing a little more depth, but now I've got basically a full year and I want to go back to something Steve Sarkeesian said about his wide receiver rotation chip. When I believe it was Jeff Howe who asked, why are we not seeing a little more, you know, John Tay Cook and Isaiah Nayor, right? Just in terms of, you know, what happens with the receiver rotation and chip, I'm more than sure you remember this answer. He said that, hey, you know, those guys are are, are playing well. And, and, you know, with Nair, it's a matter of kind of the confidence thing. What Jante Sark said he was kicking himself after the Oklahoma game, not getting him in. But this is the line that stands out most to me. He said that with the guys who are ahead of those players, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington, it's a matter of knowing that those guys can do it, right? Because he's seen them do it so many times before that the consistency it doesn't have to worry about that. Now I'm just going to apply and listen, I'm not the guy who likes to psychoanalyze coach. I just don't, but I feel like that comment in, in and of itself is enough to translate it to other positions, right? It's same concept. I mean, is, is it a matter of those guys in Steve Sarkeesian's mind are that consistent enough that they're that invaluable that they need to be on the field? Or is it, that none of the players are showing enough consistency, so we're going to run them all out there. I think it's a valid question. What you can say is this. They haven't strayed from that all year, Chip. From opening week, Rice, we saw Michael Taft. 
We saw Keaton Crawford. We saw Derek Williams. It has been that way all the way through. The only real trend, as someone who just looked at these numbers a few days ago and talking about the rise of some of the freshman money snaps they're getting, is Derek Williams, Oklahoma game on, has seen a, a bit of more rise and snaps where, where he might not be the starter. He's usually in that 40 snap to maybe 50 snaps, right? That's been the only trend. But you look at a guy like Jaron Thompson, who played over 700 snaps last year, basically about cut in half. He's about 400 and change. I think he's 430, 440. No research me correct looking at pro football focus. So I just want to, you know, because you mentioned the safety rotation, I want to just use that quote from Sark because it feels like that'd be applicable anywhere else, right? So that to me is something that I think is interesting. Just kind of touch on the other point you made in terms of the sweat and, 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 and you know, Malik Muhammad and a lot of those guys to stay aggressive. I think that's the key for whatever it is, whether it's PK calling it the same or if it's a mentality that is needed, as you talk about, Manny Muhammad, clearly, I, I don't want to say he's a player right now that you have to live with the good and the bad because we haven't seen that much bad. You take a look at his pro football focus numbers and he's grading out pretty well. But whether it's a you know an occasional pass interference or whatever it is, I think he's a guy that you don't necessarily want to you know have him in zone because as you talked about, that, that kind of takes his stinger away from him, right? If you're playing him off the line, whether it's you know. A, He's five, he's, you know, six, seven, eight, nine yards off the line. That's, that's not Manny Muhammad's game right now. He's a guy who views himself as a lockdown corner. I'm going to be right in your face and I'm taking you down the field. I'm taking you out of the play. So that true, that, that clearly is something that I think you do want to translate over into next week. And, and for quite frankly, I mean, I'd say, you know, the duration of Manny's career, but in specificity for this year, as long as Ryan Watts may be banged up, who had that, you know, just, I, I don't know to call it scary as much as just an odd Injury, man, I guess it's scary anytime you see a kid down for that long in the position that Ryan was in. Great to see him walk gingerly off the field. But yeah, you know, for 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 however long Ryan may be out, yeah. I mean, you gotta let Manny Muhammad be be himself. Yeah, and that you look at it and you, you know, they go back to the OU game where Jaleel Farouk catches the ball and Malik Muhammad, Manny Muhammad misses the tackle that would have kept him in bounds. Well, it was because they had him playing off 10 yards. So he catches a quick, you know, quick pass. And he's trying to come up to close that gap. And it's harder to close that gap from seven, eight, 10 yards than it is from two, three yards. And especially with a guy like, you know, Manny Muhammad's speed, he got, he got juked. And, um, and that's, that, that it just it's those kinds of things that add up in my mind that have been so frustrating and you thought oh well surely they're not going to do this again after Houston they did surely they're not going to do it again after K-State and K-State wasn't as much but it was with TCU for sure and you needed someone on Savion Williams you needed someone in his pocket um because that also makes the receiver have to work harder, you know, if guys are getting hands on them and they're having to, you know, cause any hesitation into their route that gives that defensive line an extra second to get the rush uh, home. And that's, you know, that's, and, and look, this defense is good enough. You can take some chances, zone pressure, whatever. And they did bring a lot of different pressures against Texas tech. Do it again. Keep doing it because this defense is 
man, they are on attack mode right now and don't take away their stinger. That's all I'm saying. Chip, or, or go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. And I was, I wanted to get your, you know, any other thoughts you had on Oklahoma state, what stands out about them from what you've been looking at? Um, because, you know, like you said, defensively, you know, Colin Oliver, Nicholas Martin, you got to respect those dudes. Those dudes are ball players. Um, if there's some weakness, uh, it's in the secondary where they were strong last year. Um, so, you know, I, I don't want Steve Sarkeesian to get too enamored with, you know, throwing it all over the place. But if it's working, Quinn Ewers is going home. He's going back to South Lake to, you know, that stuff tends to matter to these kids. They tend to play a little better in front of their their uh, home crowd. Although, I mean, Ewers had such a Jekyll and Hyde game against OU, the rough first half, the three turnovers, and then the, what, 26 of 28 passing to finish the game, 19 straight completions, school record. Um, but your thoughts on Oklahoma State? Chip, you kind of took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to ask you a, a question. And listen, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just kind of generally curious here if you can track this. And I, I looked at the numbers the other week, so I'm cheating. But Chip, if I asked you out of the 12 games that Texas has played this year, how many times in Steve Sarkeesian and the offense's opening two drives have they passed twice as much as they've run the football? How many games would you say? Out of the 12? Out of the 12. Passed twice as much twice, as they've twice, run it? Twice as much. Very specific question here. Uh, probably like 10. And you're close. You're close. Eight. Eight times. Even in Malik Murphy's first start, if you remember, what did Sark right. say? What, what did Sark say? I wanted to get him right into the groove. I, as a quarterback, I hated when, you know, I felt like I was throwing on third and I wanted to give him. I'm just, the only reason I mentioned that, Chip, is because you talk about the Oklahoma State secondary. They are vulnerable. And I do think this could be a situation. We know how, for lack of a better word, married Steve Sarkeesian has been to his opening script that Texas, twofold, can get out in front early, get Quinn Ewers going, which allows them to kind of run at their own pace. And if they can get up early, that takes Ollie Gordon out of the game. So I was just going to make the point that I do think when taking a look at some of the pro football focus numbers and looking at the secondary, that they are very vulnerable. You take a look, and, and I made this point, Chip, uh, was it two podcasts ago when I when I said that, Um you know, Javon Baker from UCF was kind of a poor man's, a very, very poor man's Xavier Worthy. Um, had a lot of success against Oklahoma State. You know, <laughs> if you take a look at some of the things they did there, R.J. Harvey, who, you know, again, very quietly because UCF hasn't been that good, rushed over 1,200 yards this year. Very much kind of a Jonathan Brooks-esque type running back. So I do think there is a formula in my mind. I'm not saying play like UCF, but I, I do think in terms of kind of how that game went. Oklahoma State made some errors. UCF was able to pass early and get ahead early and really take Ollie Gordon out of the game. So uh, I, that's just kind of all I was going to add there, Chip. In my mind, I do wonder if I receive Sarkeesian, if that's kind of the game plan that I'm kind of dialing up here to be closer and closer to that game. Yeah, and think about it. Central Florida only attempted 18 passes in that game. 
but Javon Baker had four catches for 112 yards. Everything he caught turned into, um, you know, some chunk play and, and they got Oklahoma state down and they kept him down and, and RJ Harvey went off, as you mentioned, 24 carries, 206 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. And, Texas ended up running for 302 yards against Texas Tech. A ton of that came, obviously, after halftime, after the 95-yard kick return. And that's that's the other thing um, in this, you know, special teams. Texas special teams dominated in the Texas Tech game. When you think about the blocked punt, the I think there was a 40-yard punt return. There was uh, the 95-yard kick return. And some good coverage in down on uh, on some of those Ryan Sanborn punts, and you know Oklahoma State has Alex Hale, who is a you know he's a experienced, accomplished guy. They've you know they've got Brennan Presley in the return game. Texas needs to flex on special teams in this game the way that they did against Texas Tech because obviously that had a huge role in the in the blowout win. It's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, pick six has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. No doubt about it. Again, like, like I said, you know, and kind of leading up using the UCF example, I really do think, and this is not taking Oklahoma State for granted, you know, by no, in no means do I, you know, again, talk about the fact that they're, they're 14 point underdogs. I mean, we've seen Mike Gundy, you know, shock people many times this year. And as you talked about, Chip, you know, they've been in Texas a fair amount of times in recent years. But with that being said, it does feel to me when you take a look at the pieces in play, I guess the only thing maybe you'd love to have is a little more Jonathan Brooks, right? If, if a JB's old knee were healthy and he were going in this one, maybe that's the only piece you wish you'd feel a little more comfortable with. But when I take a look at this one, I really do see a very specific formula when you juxtapose Oklahoma State's weaknesses with the things that Texas can do offensively. If, if, if they come out with their minds in the right places, don't have, you know, one of those early sleepwalks that I talked about, I think are, are long in the rear view. For Texas, and I think that's kind of the what we what we will end up seeing come Saturday. All right, let's uh, let's get to everyone's favorite part of the show. Take it or leave it. We'll come back and do just that right here on this episode 
The tailgate for the Big 12 Championship, Texas versus Oklahoma State, right here on the flagship podcast. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back here on the flagship podcast with some take it or leave it. Eric, you want to? Yeah, it's, it's, it's on me. I, I, will, I will kick us off. And before I do, Chip, let's go ahead and update our take it or leave it standings here. So, Chip, you are now at four questions right, two questions you missed. And, of course, we had the one push that the other week we, we, we said that, you know, we, we couldn't have assessed that one. I am at three, three, and one. And the reason that you, sir, are now beating me it's because of last week's record, which saw these three take it or leave it questions. One, CJ Baxter, Chip, you very astutely decided to go the other way in order to break up the monotony of our of our take it or leave it. And CJ Baxter of over 125 yards. You left it, and he did not. Um, we got Texas has shown week to week improvement heading into the season finale versus Tech. We both took it, and I think last week's outing would show that that was correct. And the biggest concern being Texas's pass defense. Well, while the pass defense certainly wasn't tested against the Red Raiders, we both went with a take it. And I, I think that's one that, you know, hey, um, you, you can still say, based on the premise of that question that week, that it was a take. So, Chip, I, you are at four, two, and one. I am at three, three, and one. And with this one being on the board, I'll start us off. Texas holds nation's leading rusher and Ali Gordon the second to under 100 yards rushing. Take it or leave it. Oh, um, see, I can't get that Central Florida game out of my out of my mind. Um. You know, the stats show 26 carries on average last eight games, 168 yards rushing. Um, it would not shock me if he had like 101 yards rushing on like 23 carries. I'm going to leave this. I don't think they're going to do much of anything else in this game, but I could see him going over 100 yards on like 23, 24 carries. How about you, Eric? I'm not just doing this to be, you know, contrary. I'm, I'm taking it. Like you, I can't get that UCF game out of my mind. And based on everything I just said in terms of, Kind of how I feel this game will go. There's just part of me that feels that Steve Sarkeesian and what will be his shining moment as a play call and a coach, he's cooking something up. And I feel like Texas is going to get ahead early in this game, which is going to somewhat neutralize how much they're able to use Ali Gordon. I don't think it's going to be something crazy like 20-something yards. Take a look at even Taj Brooks last week got to 90, right? And it didn't look like they did much of anything, but Taj Brooks got to 90 at a couple runs. Wouldn't shock me if he's 65, 70, but what did T Sweat say? You talked about Byron Murphy, 11 a.m. T Sweat. I can't remember who asked him, but was talking about, hey, what's the challenge going to be like facing Ollie Gordon? He said, I feel like we've shown what we can do as a defensive line. Y'all see you come 11 a.m. Yeah. I love the mindset of these defensive tackles, Chip. 11 a.m. It's no all doubt. on your mind. So, no doubt. 
I'm going to take it, Chip. You're okay. All right. That's good. Keeps it keeps things spicy. All right, Eric. Tavandre Sweat, speaking of T-Sweat, announced as one of three finalists for the Outland Trophy on Tuesday, along with Cooper Beebe of Kansas State, Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Tavandre Sweat wins the Outland Trophy. Take it or leave it. I'm really torn on this. I'm really, really torn on this. Do I think Tavondre Sweat deserves to win the outlet? Hell yeah, I do. I'm leaving it. I kind of feel like Cooper Beebe is going to take home the award. Not kind of, I, 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 I really feel like he's going to take home the award. Man, that'll be, that would be two years in a row that a K-State player who was a little less deserving won a big-time award last year. It was Felix Anyaduke Uzoma winning Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year when Jalen Ford absolutely should have won it. Um, I am going to take this because I, I'm hoping that the voters will do their homework on this, that the Football Writers Association of America um, – will do their homework on this and realize what Tavondre Sweat has meant to the success of this Texas Longhorns football team, because everything in that, uh, you know, the defense, the number one in third down red zone, number four against the run starts with that big guy right there. And he has gotten so much better. I mean, he is a different player not only from last year to this year, but as the season has gone on, he's just, I asked him, I said, have you treated this year like a contract year? And he said, a hundred percent. Like he knows he's getting paid. He's got that big diamond necklace. He said he kind of wanted it to look like flavor Flav. He wanted it so big. He's like, I'm a big fella. Make him and sweat. it says, it says, make him sweat, baby. So I'm going to take this. E. Henry. And listen, I uh, have a vote for a lot of things. I have a Maxwell vote, a Benaric vote, a Blitnikov vote. I do not have an outcome. If I did, it would be the man from Huntsville, Texas, T. Sweat. The final take it or leave it, TB. It's the one that matters the most. Texas wins on Saturday and makes the college football playoff. Take it or leave it, Chip. Okay. I know things look grim beyond the Big 12 title game for Texas. But Texas fans, you are now Louisville fans. Florida State, who wants to watch Florida State and their backup quarterback go get mauled by Georgia? No. I am going to take this. E. Henry, I think that Texas will win the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma State. And we're going to have to wait all the way until Saturday night. You'll have both Michigan playing Iowa at 7 o'clock and Louisville playing Florida State. Friday night, you'll have the Pac-12 championship. And you'll have the SEC championship at 3 o'clock on Saturday. But I think something weird is going to happen in Texas's favor. On championship weekend, I'm going to take this, E. Henry. What say you, my friend? 
Chip, this is a colliding of worlds for me. Because as you know, I'm a Floridian. The first ever football game I ever remember watching. I was five years old. My family sat me down the 1997 Sugar Bowl. Florida State, Florida. It was made very clear to me which side of things I was to fall on. Uh, the first ever football jersey I was given was a number nine Peter Warwick jersey. <laughs> so it, 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 the, the Florida State, the only thing that can take my dad off of the beach in his retirement in Jamaica is Florida State football on Saturdays. And my dad gave me a call all pumped up after the Knowles found a way to squeak out a win versus the Gators telling me his Knowles are shutting Texas out. And I will be returning the favor with that phone call to let him know not against Louisville. Um, I was not impressed. With, with, with Listen, the defense was legit, but Grant, that's not a great Florida offense either. The Seminoles are going to lose to Louisville. I mean, that's, you could book that. They do not have enough without Jordan Travis. And with that, I do think some things will fall in Texas's favor. And like you said, even the Floridian, I don't want to see Tate Roadmaker versus Georgia. I mean, that, that, that'd get ugly in a hurry in my mind. So I am taking it, Chip. All the things fall in Texas' favor, and the Horns find a way into the CFP. Listen, I want to see, first of all, I want the Adonai Mitchell Bowl. I want that. And secondly, I want to see how Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, this defensive line, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, how they hold up against Georgia because Texas is built, even Mike Gundy said it, Texas is built for the SEC. Big humans. I want to see it. I want to see it play out because I think even Georgia would have some trouble running on uh, on the big fellas. And Texas, we know, loves the role of being the underdog. So um, good stuff. Good stuff for Eric Henry. I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to this episode of the flagship podcast, The Tailgate. The Big 12 Championship, Texas and Oklahoma State, 11 a.m. December 2nd in Arlington, Texas at AT&T Stadium. We will be there. Um, until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Make sure you're an annual member over there so that you get all VIP access to every team site on the preeminent 24-7 sports network. Till next time, stay safe and keep the faith. And our man E. Henry, make sure that bench press gets all the way into the rack, my man. 315 pounds. Why don't you just do 220 40 times? Come on, my man. Just kidding. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe and keep the faith. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.